All right, well, I will ask you to turn in your Bible this morning, draw your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We are starting our new series this week, uh, The Seven Marks of a Healthy Church. The Seven Marks of a Healthy Church. What do I mean by that? It's not that you need seven people named Mark uh, to make a healthy church. These are goals. These are targets that we aim for. Uh, these are the seven things that we need to strive for us to be a healthy church. And I think that if we were all honest today, I think that every one of us would say that Fairmont Baptist Church, we deeply desire that we would be a healthy church. That we would be a church uh, that exemplifies what we see in the Bible. Uh, and that's something we'll be talking about today. All right, but we want to be a church that loves one another, that is growing both in faith and in numbers. We want to go out into the community and reach out. But how do we really do that? Because we can do that, right? We could, we could go out into the community and we could talk to people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that here at home that we're all, all good, right? There are things that we need to deal with. There are things that we need to deal with in our own heart. Uh, people have asked me, how, how do you grow a church? Well, first, you have to grow in your walk with Christ personally. That's something that we need to do. So as we look at these seven marks, these are seven goals to aim for, and they're also seven distinctives. Uh, and it's not until we have each one of these things that we'll be talking about over the next seven weeks. Uh, it's not until we have each and every one of those uh, nailed down that we will be a healthy church. Uh, and this is something that doesn't just end, by the way. It isn't, all right, well, I think we're, we've nailed these things down a little bit enough, and, and we're done. We're a healthy church now. Uh, the point of all this is just like our Christian walk. There's, there's never a time where you just hit, hit the end, right, and you're, you're now perfect. That never happens. Right? That won't happen until we're in glory with Christ. Right? But we do this as a church to continue to strive for righteousness, strive for what the Word of God says, strive to be that healthy church. So we'll never hit these marks and say we're done with it, but it's something that we need to grow in constantly. So what are those things? Well, the first one that we'll be talking about today uh, maybe is a little self-serving. Uh, I, I promise you that uh, I do not mean this as job insurance, uh, but the first mark of a healthy church is biblical preaching. Biblical preaching. Uh, and we want to make sure that both those words are in there. All right? It can't just be biblical uh, and then maybe fill in the, the blank of the second word with something else. And it cannot just be fill in the blank of the first part and you have preaching. Both of these two aspects, biblical and preaching, need to be involved in the declaration on a Sunday morning. Uh, and by the way, uh, that's specifically what we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, but it flows into every ministry that we have, uh, whether it's Sunday school or children's church or VBS or whatever we do in our church. Biblical preaching needs to be a defining characteristic of our church, of every ministry. And it's a personal thing, too, because you are called to do it. Maybe I get paid to do it. All right. But you are called to be a preacher. Did you know that? Uh, the Gospel of Matthew tells us to go out into all the world and, and to preach the Gospel. Or, uh, the Gospel of Mark tells us that way, to preach the Gospel to every living creature. So you are called to do that as well. So what does that look like? And that's really what we'll be talking today. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. So we will read it, 
And then we will pray and then we will study it together. The word of God says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Let us pray. God in heaven, we do pray that you would be with us right now. God, I pray that your word would go forth, that even as we talk about these ideas today, Uh, Lord, that you would use your Holy Spirit to help us get it, to help us to sink it into our hearts, each and every one of us, including myself. Lord, that we would know what biblical preaching is, know what, uh, what that means for the life of the church, and what that means even for us personally, as we are called to do it uh, to those who do not know Christ. Uh, God, I pray that you would uh, humble us today through your word, and that we would see it Uh, as you have deemed it, your word. It is not the word of of Pastor Dean or of the structure of Fairmont Baptist Church. No, it is your word, and I pray that we would treat it like that. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're we're asking that idea of what is a healthy church. One One of the ways that a lot of people think of this uh, they think about, all right, what, what do I think a healthy church is? Uh, they, they immediately go to, what are they looking for in a church? Uh, may, maybe you move into a different area, or you don't have a church, in your, and, and you're thinking, all right, where, what am I going to do? Uh, well, here are the things that are important to me. Well, preaching is vastly important. Uh, we see it in the Word of God, and we also see it just in culture for things that people are looking for. Uh, we, we see with uh, Pew Research Survey, uh, they're a research group, they go around, uh, get a huge number, thousands of people to draw uh, a survey from, and they ask them certain questions. Well, when they ask them, uh, what are you looking for in a church? What is the number one thing that you are looking for in a church? 83% of them said it's the sermon. It's the sermon. It's vastly important for them. The problem with that is we see immediately that sermons are important, right? Uh, But the problem is, is that they just put that one word. It's the sermon. They they don't give any characteristics to what that is. Uh, What are they looking for? Something that they like in the sermon. Well, that is a problem when we get into the word of God. Uh, Because, yes, sermons are important. We're going to see that. But it needs to be specific. It's not good enough, uh, just to give you an example, if I were to come, not have studied, and, and to open up a text uh, of the Word of God and just you know, kind of spout out my opinions about it. That's not enough. Uh, that's not nearly good enough. Uh, we see here a very clear direction from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a young pastor, right? We, we've talked about that a couple times. We looked even at this text uh, uh, several months ago, all right, uh, or at least close to it. 
but this is the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, this is how you are to structure your church. These are the things that are important. This is a mentor talking to, uh, to an apprentice, basically, and saying, these are the things you need to have in your church. And he starts off this passage here by stressing the importance. I want you to really see what he's doing here. Look at verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Guys, this is important. He doesn't say that about anything else. This is Paul saying, you need to get this, Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God. And this is not some kind of... We, we, uh, I put up a blog post even this week about the, uh, the laziness that we use the word God for in our uh, conversations. Of using the Lord's name in vain and things like that. And, and when we see uh, in culture, a lot of people say this, and I hope this is not true of you, but I swear to God. Right? People say that. They have no idea what that means. You are talking about the Holy One of the universe. The one who is above all things. The sovereign I am. The one who, when Moses was in the presence of the burning bush, not even his presence, but a bush that he lit on fire to talk to him through, he took off his sandals. Right? That God. And Paul is saying here, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. This is about as serious as Paul could make it. All right, he, he's not saying, all right, this is something that if you want to do, you can do. Uh, this is maybe, uh, this would be helpful for you. No, this is saying, this is a command. This is a direct command from Paul, an apostle. And he's saying, I uh, charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. He goes through the whole thing, right? Judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. So he's just saying it, the, like everything. Right? Everything about God. He's saying, I charge you in the presence of God and everything that he does that you need to do this. All right, I I think we can get it. This is big. This is important. And what are the words that he says? Verse 2. Preach the word. Those three words, those three little words are so important for the church. It's so crucial that Paul has to tell him that I charge you in the presence of God himself and everything that he does, these things, these three little words need to be done. Preach the word. Now, we, we know that first word, preach, right? We, we hear it. It's, it's what pastor does every Sunday. Uh, it's maybe when you're getting a lecture from someone or maybe you like something that someone else is saying, you'll say, preach it. Even if it's not even a sermon, right? All right? But what does that mean? What does it mean to preach? It's not just a cultural thing that we say today in a conversation. It has a, a meaning in the word itself. Well, the word means to uh, speak loudly. It's a loud proclamation. Uh, an easy way to translate this word is public yelling. All right, so... Uh, if people ask, you know, why does, why does Pastor Dean like talk so loud? Uh, that's why. It's the word. I, I have to do it, right? Public yelling. Now, uh, what a lot of people uh, don't know is that this word was actually used most of the time in reference to a herald, 
All right, what, what that was is someone who spoke for someone. All right, so like the king. The king has a message, uh, and he wants to get it out to the people. Um, but he's not going to go out there, right? Uh, there are no microphones at this time. He's not going to go to some uh, tall part of uh, his, his castle and say, this is my message for all the people. He's not going to do that. Rather, he is going to have someone go for him. Right? And he would go into the streets. He would go to one of the most popular places, so uh, some intersection of two main streets. And he would go and he would publicly yell for the king and say, this is the message that I have received from the king. All right? There are some important things about that. All right? Because first off, we see that it's not his message. If a herald were to go out, and just say whatever he wanted to and say it's from the king, that guy would be killed. Right? Because it's not his message. It's the king's message, and he heralds it for him. He publicly yells that message for the king. All right, so he does that, and we see that it's the, the message of the king. All right, and he goes out and he yells it, and we see that it's 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 a yelling, it's it's not a conversation. A lot of people today, it's very popular, uh, there, there are churches within our denomination who are actually doing it, uh, of changing up the Sunday sermon and saying, well, let's not do a sermon, let's have a conversation. So it'll, maybe, maybe pastor, uh, you know, he'll, he'll put a stool up there on the stage and he'll get up there and you know, sit there casually and uh, just kind of talk with the congregation and and there'll be a conversation that's happening back and forth. And it's not, it's not centered on the word of God. It's just having a conversation about uh, godly things. That, that is something that's happening. There, uh, there's a, a church down in uh, Minnesota, uh, Solomon's Porch. Um, blanking on the, the name of the guy, it's, uh, Denny Burke, I think, or something like that. Uh, but uh, he, he does that. He just sits there on a stool and every the church just kind of circles around him. And it's kind of like this slam poetry kind of a scene. And he just has this conversation. That's not what this word means. And again, we need to stress how important it is that this is done. All right? In the presence of God, do this. Preach. It's a one-way conversation. All right? it, is, it is a lecture. And we don't like that all the time. You know, we try to change it up a little bit with Sunday school, and that's a different kind of thing. All right, but we have a conversation down there. But on, uh, when, when we get into preaching, so right now, it should be a one-way conversation. And it is not the conversation that starts for me or whoever is preaching that Sunday. It's not his opinion that he should be spouting. No. What does he say? Preach what? The word. I told you, not a uh, two-way conversation. You can't answer. No, I'm just kidding. All right, preach the word. All right, so if you look on the back of your bulletins here, uh, we're going to start to get into some of these things. All right, uh, I just want you to to know that we're doing that. But uh, we need to see, first off, that this word is not... um, it's it's not nuanced. It's not uh, kind of subjective. He doesn't say preach a word. You know, if it was a word, 
then it could be my word, it could be your word, it could be whoever's word, right? But he says very distinctly, all right, that you need to preach the word. There's one. What is it? Well, we need to look at context, right? Uh, I hope that you, that you know this in your, in your studying of God's word, that you need to know the context of a passage. All right, well, let's jump up. Just a few verses, remembering that when the Word of God was actually written, all right, it was not written with chapter and verse. All right, it was one big, long letter. All right, so let's just jump up a few sentences before all right, and look at one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. It reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for righteous uh, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then immediately is our text. So what's the word? It's that one. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That's the context. He's talking about what that Scripture is, and he's saying not only is it good for all these things. And so you need to have it around, but you need to preach it. You need to uh, publicly yell the word of God. So again, the herald didn't give his opinion. We don't have to question what this word should be. God's word is what should be preached, not man's opinion or wisdom. That's number two in there. I think I got it a little bit mixed up. But God's word is what should be preached, not man's opinion or wisdom. Why? Well, that person could have great opinions, right? Whoever, whoever is preaching that Sunday, I've got good stories. I could go on with stories and tell you guys a bunch of stories and entertain you. All right? But it shouldn't be about Dean. Uh, you know, in other churches, it shouldn't be about the pastor. And when you do this, when you take the word of God and you're talking to someone who doesn't know, or maybe you're teaching your family and in a way that is preaching, when you do that, it is not about you. It's not about your opinions. No one wants to hear those. All right? Sometimes you might have great opinions, but you could be wrong. My wisdom, the things I know, I could be wrong. And how tragic would it be for, for on a Sunday morning if people are there and they do not know God for you to get the gospel wrong? It's serious. So God's word is what should be preached, not man's opinion or wisdom. Why? Well, not just because it's commanded here. There is wisdom to this. Why should we preach the word of God and not man's opinion or something else? Well, God's word is what matters. I am limited. Preachers, you are limited in your knowledge. The things you know, the things you've been through. Who is unlimited in their knowledge? God. Shouldn't we hear from him? If we believe that God is the one who made everything... If we truly believe that, then we must also believe that we are His. Right? I love the way this New City Catechism does it. Like the first question that they ask. What is our only hope in life and death? 
that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God. We're His. He created us. We need to know what He thinks, what He wants. He has a purpose for us. We love that part, right? Uh, like, we don't have it here, I don't think. All right, uh, but uh, a lot of, no, for I know the plans, yeah, right there. All right, for I know the plans I have for you. We have it written on the wall. We love that part. All right, but in order to know what those plans are, we have to talk to God. We have to hear from Him. So it's not about whoever's in the pulpit. We need to know what God thinks, what God wants on, on everything. The things that we do on marriage. Marriage is so important, right? And, and there's a battle that's being fought in uh, culture today. But how do we know where we're supposed to stand on those issues? This book. We need to hear from God and know what He thinks about marriage. We need to hear from God and think uh, and know what He thinks about parenting, uh, about holiness, about righteousness, about justification, about everything. We need to know what God thinks because His opinion is what matters. It's not just that His opinion is what matters. It's also that... God's word is the thing that works. It's what does the work. It, it, you know, I could, I could say all kinds of things. And maybe, maybe I could get some results. Right? Uh, I, I could tell a really heartbreaking story and get people to cry. But that doesn't save anyone. What can save? The gospel. Where do you find the gospel? The word of God. It's the only thing that works. Hebrew, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. What does that talk about? The word of God is like what? A two-edged sword. Piercing even to the deepest part of your soul. I can't do that. No preacher can do that on their own. Even the best ones. Even the best ones. You, you look back through history. Uh, John Chrysostom, uh, who was uh, in, uh, I think, 300 A.D., known as one of uh, Christianity's greatest preachers. All right, Charles Spurgeon, more recent. All right, known as one, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, uh, tons of people. John Edwards, Martin Luther. We talked about him this morning. All of those guys, they can't save anyone. None of the wisdom, none of the opinions of theirs, even as smart as they were, as wise as they were, they couldn't save. What can save? God's word. What can transform us? And not just in a, in a little change, right? Uh, th there are things that we can put into practice in our life, different programs that we could say, all right, well, I'm, I'm not going to uh, drink pop so I can lose some weight. All right, that's something that we can put into our life and work that out and make a minor change. All right, but the big changes, the big changes of sin in our life. Maybe we can work a way to maybe not act out that thing, but even as I taught the children this morning, where is sin really? It's in your mind. And you can't change that. Not on your own. No pastor can change that for you. Only the Word of God can. We need to get out of the way. Uh, you, you, I hope that you hear me pray that a lot uh, before I preach, that I would get out of the way of the Word of God. 
Charles Spurgeon put it this way. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. You just let the lion out and let it work. That's what the word of God is. You let it speak for itself. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'll I'll ask you, if you look on just the inside of your bulletins, I've put, usually I put one one little quote on there for us. Maybe it relates to the sermon, maybe not. Uh, But this this week when I was doing some reading and studying for this, uh, I was drawn to Martin Lloyd-Jones, the good doctor, uh, some of his writings, and, and he said these words, Preaching is logic on fire. Uh, it is you going through the word of God, saying it, and not just having logic thrown out of this is what the text means, but it's on fire. There's passion there. Uh, and this is coming from a guy who hated emotionalism. All right. Uh, that, that, I'm, I fit into that category, too, but I'm talking about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he also said this, the whole business of preaching and of the gospel is to bring men and women face to face with the living God. That's the point. That's the point. Why is it that we don't just let anyone come up here and say whatever they want and we call that a sermon? Or why, why should it be that when we look at other pastors and other churches that we should look for these, this characteristic of biblical preaching as a mark of a healthy church? Because we don't want man to be lifted up. We want God to be lifted up. And we want to be changed by Him. And so we want to be face to face with God through the word. So, preach the word. Uh, I'll say uh, just on the back of your bulletins there, uh, number one, uh, God's word is what compels and informs our worship. Uh, you, you aren't going to know anything about God just if you sit there and think about him. You'll get two things, right? That's what Paul says in Romans. You'll get that there is God and that he is powerful. But you won't get the gospel. You won't get the, the righteousness of God. You won't get the, uh, what he wants for you specifically in your life. You won't get what he thinks about marriage or parenting. You won't get what he thinks about lying. You won't get that. You'll get that he's there and that he's powerful. So we need to go into the word. If we really want to know God, if we want to come face to face with God, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, if we want to have that and have a real experience, we talk about that a lot, right? We're Baptists. Uh, I'm Baptist, and uh, I, I, I get very cautious when people start talking about experience over, over logic and things like that. All right, But we do want to know God, right? We want to have that relationship and to feel that relationship. How do you do it? You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to read it, because that is what compels you. Uh, you know, as, uh, there's, there's a purpose why we've been going through Psalm 119 and reading it aloud together. I hope that as you look at it and you see beautiful phrases like what he says in verse 48, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. That should compel you to do the same. That should compel me to do the same. It compels us. It informs our worship. If we don't know this book, then we don't know God. At least we don't know him fully. We don't know him as, uh, as good as we could. That's why it's so important. So don't let someone else, if there ever is a time where Pastor Ian gets up and starts talking uh, about his experiences, throw me out. 
Because this is what is to be preached. The word. Now when? When is that to be preached? He says, be ready in season and out of season. All right, uh, be ready. That means to be on guard. You could imagine uh, someone at like a, uh, an army base. And they're, they're on the perimeter and they're, they're guarding it. Um, they don't just go out there and stand there all casually with no weapons, right? No, because if someone were to come in, then they're, what are they going to do to stop them, right? They're, they're dressed up. Uh, they have their weapons on them because they're ready to spring into action. If someone were to come and try to get on that base who wasn't supposed to be there, they would jump all over that guy and use their weapons sometimes to do it. Right? That, that's what this means. Be ready. Be, be ready to pounce. Right? Be, be uh, guarding and do it in season and out of season. Uh, this isn't just talking about fruits and vegetables. This is talking about uh, popularity. In season. The word actually means convenient. When it is convenient, preach the word of God. And sometimes it is. Right now it is, actually. You know, yes, there, is, there are things that are happening in culture. But I can come here and I can get in the pulpit and I don't have to be scared about how, lo- how loud I talk. It is convenient to preach the word. But sometimes it's not. Right? Be ready. Do this in season when it's convenient and out of season when it's inconvenient, when it's unpopular, when people will scorn you for it. This, again, I will take this, and yes, he's talking to a pastor, but we see other places in the Word of God talk about how we are to preach the gospel to every living creature. So you are to do that when it's convenient. You know, sometimes there's just a a conversation and it goes and it's just beautiful the way God works it out and you can have a good conversation. And sometimes it's not. Preach the word anyways. Love that person in sharing the gospel. Do it when people will like you for it and do it when people will hate you for it. Right? And we know that time is coming. We know that time is coming because Jesus promised us that time is coming. The world will hate you. Why? Because it hated me. It is coming. Are we ready for it? Some of us, even in our own lives, have seen that. Have seen that persecution. You know what it's like to preach the word in season and out of season. Let us continue to do that. So that's when we are to preach. And we need to understand then, or if it's in season and out of season, then there isn't a time when we don't do it. There, there's no break that we say, all right, you can preach the word, but if this happens, don't preach the word. But this isn't a fad that changes. It's not like fashion where uh, in the 80s, you know, you had all the, the big frizzy hair, right? And that was really popular. It's not that you preach the gospel, you preach the word when it's popular, And then when it's not popular, you move on to something else. It doesn't change. This is constant. The word of God is to be preached at all times, no matter the cost. Look at verse 5. We'll jump ahead a little bit. As for you, always be sober-minded. Look what he says next. Endure suffering. Paul knows that Timothy is going to suffer for preaching this word that he is demanding that he does. 
endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The word of God is to be preached no matter what the cost. So that's the what of preaching is the word. The when of preaching is at all times. And now the how. How, do you, how is someone supposed to preach? What, what are some of the, the, uh, some of the distinctives of that preaching? He says, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Then he uses these three words, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. All right, well, let's, let's take each one of those. Reprove, what does that mean? It means to expose. It means to expose. Uh, even sometimes it's used uh, just straight up as the word convict in the word of God. Same word. Uh, that's the first thing. <laughs> you might go, well, you know, I, I hate that kind of, you know, fire and brimstone kind of teaching, that, that preaching. I don't want to hear about hell, right? We don't, we don't talk about that. The word of God is very clear. The how of preaching is to do it in a way that exposes sin. All right, that, that's number uh, one under there of biblical preaching. Exposes our sin. That's what it does. Sometimes when we read the Word of God, and I hope this happens even in your personal devotions, that you read the Word of God and something jumps out to you and you say, ouch! Right? Oh, man, that that hits me. I do that all the time. Uh, I don't, you know, that's not pleasant. Sometimes the Word of God is like sweet, uh, sweet honey, right? Honey like a honeycomb. All right? Uh, and, And sometimes it hurts. That's good. Preaching should be the same. If it is the word of God that's being preached, then it should be the exact same characteristics of the word, right? So sometimes it'll be beautiful, and sometimes it'll be so encouraging, and then maybe even just a few minutes later, it'll bite you, right? Because that's what the word of God does. It exposes our sins. That's what reprove means, rebuke. It's similar, but it stresses the authority. Uh, You don't rebuke someone who has the authority over you. All right. Um, if, if you were working and, and you go to your boss and you say, well, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and this wrong, uh, he's probably not going to be too happy with you, right? Because it's not your place. Uh, maybe, maybe you could say a few things, but you can't talk to him like that, right? Uh, that, that's for his boss to talk to him in that way. And then he talks to you in that way, right? And says what you need to be doing. All right, there, there's an authority level structure there, and it's the same with preaching. There is authority. Now, it's not because of me or anything that I possess or whoever is preaching. It shouldn't be that. Where does the authority come from? Well, if he is, if this person is preaching the word of God, then with it comes authority because it is God speaking. If he is explaining what God says in these texts, in the scriptures, then that is the word of God. And God's word, as we even say in our doctrinal statement, is the sole authority for all faith and practice. So yes, it carries its own authority. It can tell us no. It can tell us we need to change. So it instructs with authority. It instructs with authority. last one is that it exhorts. Now, this is a little bit different than what he said so far. So far, it's pretty harsh, right? Uh, to reprove, to rebuke. This word exhort actually means lovingly appeal. 
to lovingly appeal. It has, it has adoration uh, for, for the person that they are communicating with. Uh, it's Paul. It, it's Paul talking to Philemon about Onesimus, the runaway slave, and saying, I appeal to you, brother, to take him in as another brother, not as uh, just a slave, but now a brother, right? That's what it is. There's, there's love there between Paul and Philemon. That there's concern. Whoever is preaching, wherever that is, if you're visiting another church, there should be, that pastor should have love for his people. There should be love there. So biblical preaching is filled with love for its listeners. It's, it's not abusing that authority. It's not rebu- abusing that, that opportunity of, of, uh, of uh, being exposed with your sin. It's not abusing any of that because, it, uh, because the, the person who is preaching should love their people. So now there's a little bit thrown in here too, uh, just in case Timothy wasn't quite sure about the attitude that he should have in his preaching. He says, with complete patience and teaching. Long-suffering, that's what patience means. And and I love the way the Word of God talks about that. Uh, Long-suffering, that's what a preacher is to be. He's supposed to be patient with his people. Maybe people don't get it right away. There shouldn't be frustration there. All right, and there needs to be patience and there needs to be teaching. Now, that's kind of weird, right? If you're looking at just a sentence, you're saying preach the word with teaching. All right, the word there is doctrine. Preach the word with doctrine. Uh, churches should not be scared of that word. It's a good word. Uh, it talks about the theology that we have for God, what we believe about him, what we believe about his word. And that's what preaching is. Preaching, really, the reason why it's so important is because it says everything that you believe about the Word of God, and thus God. So do it with doctrine, with patience. Why? Because the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're not going to endure it. What that means is to approve. There's going to be a time, maybe it's now, maybe, maybe it's in the future. There's going to be a time when people aren't going to want it. Right? Uh, I think he's talking about that in-season, out-of-season time, right? The out-of-season part. People will not endure sound teaching. They don't want it. They don't approve of it. Uh, they don't want to hear words like doctrine. They don't want to hear words like theology. They don't want to hear about sin or hell. Right? Uh, they don't want to endure that. So what do they do? Well, you got to be taught by somebody, right? So let me go find someone who will suit my own passions. Right? They have these itching ears. And if you've ever had like an itch somewhere like you couldn't scratch, it just drives you crazy, right? you, you got to get that thing scratched. So maybe you go to your spouse and you say, I can't reach right here. Can you get it? Right? You have that itch. You need it to be satisfied. And so for these people, they have an itch. And that itch is for false teaching. That itch is for something, basically, they just want to hear what they want. Just tell me I'm fine, Pastor. Stop telling me I'm sinful all the time. Stop telling me that I need to change or uh, do something different. Stop telling me that I need to stop yelling at my spouse. I'm done. I'm a good person. Sometimes we can strive after that. And it's a danger that each one of us face. 
including myself. We strive and we want to we hear those things that I want to hear, right? That will satisfy that itch. That will suit my own passions. And so we, we will get rid of the good teaching and we'll go after that. It kind of reminds me in the 90s. Uh, do you guys remember Beanie Babies? You guys remember when those came out, those T.Y. Beanie Babies? Well, uh, right when those came out, everyone started saving them because they're going to be worth so much money, right? Like I have, I have this one that's uh, so rare, there's only 1,800 of them in the world, and, and I'll put them in this box, and someday they'll be worth a fortune. And that's not really panning out too well. All right? But in the 90s, everyone was crazed with them uh, to the point where McDonald's, uh, they, they started putting them in their Happy Meals. And one of the things that started happening uh, is that the people started just buying Happy Meals to, to take that toy out, the, the Beanie Baby, and then they would just throw that rest of the meal away. Right? They, they had a craving for one particular thing, and they threw all the, we'll say, good stuff, the meal, all right? and, they, and they would throw it in the trash. And so uh, McDonald's, as soon as they really saw that that was happening, they stopped doing it. They said, we're done with baby, uh, Beanie Babies. We want to sell our product. Right? Uh, we don't want our product being <laughs> thrown into the trash. All right? So that, that's what they did. Now, you might say, oh, bad business plan because they were selling them like hotcakes. Right? Uh, but that's what they did. And that's what a lot of people do with teaching. They say, that's what I want, this one particular thing, that's what I want to hear. I'm going to take all the other stuff that's meant for my good, and I'm going to take it and throw it away because this is what I want. I want the toy. I don't want the meal. And that, that's what a lot of people do with preaching. And it ought not to be the case. Why? Because we need to do verse 4. And we'll wander off, uh, or uh, uh, do the opposite of verse 4. And we'll wander off into myths. Uh, and we'll turn away from listening to the truth. That's what we need. We need to listen to the truth. But these people will not do that. They will wander off into myths. So there, there is truth that is here. It's in the word of God. We can find it. We can know it. We can study it. We can apply it to our lives. But if we give into that itch, if we give into that itch to get that thing that we think, you know, if I just hear that, I'll be fine uh, and I'll be satisfied it doesn't satisfy. And what does it lead to? It doesn't lead to direction. It doesn't lead to knowing what your purpose is. It leads you to wandering. Or as Paul says, uh, being tossed to and fro. And you wander off into myths. What are myths? At the core of their lies. And we could easily be led away from the word of God. And go after that one thing that we want that's, that will scratch that itch. And that next thing you know, you're scratching another itch. Next thing you know, you're scratching another. And you're gone from orthodoxy. Uh, you're gone from what God's word says. That's why it's so important. So when we look at us being that healthy church, we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are we preaching biblically? Let's ask it. Is Pastor Dean preaching biblically? Are we preaching biblically in uh, our ministries? Are we preaching biblically as individuals? Do we love the Word of God? Do we strive to be with people who love the Word of God? Do we want to be at prayer meeting? Do we want to be at Bible studies? Do we want to have that Word soak into our hearts and have an effect in our lives? Or 
Are we trying to scratch that itch? Scratch that itch and, and, and maybe we, we do not approve of biblical preaching. And then we need to listen to that truth. Are we being led by it in our own lives? Not, not, not when we open the doors here at Fairmont, uh, at, at our building. I always say Fairmont Baptist, but I mean the building that we reside in. All right? Not just here, but when we're at home. When, when it's, uh, you had a late night and you're going to work the next day. Do you want to be in the Word of God? Do you strive for it? Do you want it to do those things in your life to expose that sin, to instruct you with authority, and to be filled with love for you, its reader? Do you want that? Or are you scratching an itch? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would be with us even as we have a few moments here to just think. Lord, to think about what we, we do with your word. Lord, I don't think that we, we debate whether it is your word or not. I, I think we'd all be on the same page in saying that the Bible is your word. But Lord, I know sometimes even in my own life that I don't treat it like it is. That maybe, maybe I look at it as uh, a check mark that I need to get off my list of, yes, I was in the Word and I'm done now and can move on to other things. I pray that you would help me to have a love and adoration for your Word. Because it tells me everything that I need to know about you. Everything that I need to know to please you. Lord, it, it tells me how to live. Lord, I, I pray for my friends here. Lord, that they would do it as well. That they would be in the word. That they would let it expose their sin and instruct them and, and have love for them. Lord, that they would be in the word, in season, out of season. And Lord, even that they would preach as well. Maybe, maybe they don't get up here on the, uh, the stage and preach here at the pulpit, but they do it at home with their families. Lord, they do it with their loved ones. Uh, Lord, even with strangers that they want to tell them about their faith. Lord, I pray that they would preach the word in season and out of season. Lord, I pray that this would be a distinctive of our church. Lord, I pray that you would humble me, that, that I would do what is called for in your word, that I would preach the word in season and out of season, that I would reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and that I would be filled with patience. Uh, and, and teaching doctrine. God, I pray that when people think about Fairmont Baptist Church, that they would think about biblical preaching. Lord, that we would love it so much, love your word and, and value your word so much that we'd be in it and that we would love to talk about it with people and that we would let it not just be in our minds and hear it when we read it, that those words would soak into our hearts. Lord, that is, as David prayed, I pray that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we would not sin against you. And Lord, even if there are sins in our life, whatever they may be, Lord, I pray that maybe even now, as, as we've heard your word, 
as we, we know that it exposes our sin. Maybe, maybe even someone here today has something going on in their life and they need to talk to someone about that. I pray that they would have the boldness and the courage to do so. Uh, Lord, we know that there is compassion in your word. There is love and there is forgiveness in Christ. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be people of the word. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.